Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. everybody this is in liberty and health episode number 62 sometimes a little bit bad with numbers but i got the uh, great kenzie puff mac my favorite uh six foot tall uh what is it like millionaire um yeah. with me today how are you doing i'm doing good how are you excellent i'm very excited to talk we had uh, a little bit of scheduling issues but i'm glad we kind of get that figured out you were just down in the great state of florida what was that about a month ago a couple weeks ago yeah earlier this month yep earlier in february it was Mm-hmm. yeah i <laughs> yeah the free state of florida <laughs> yeah my fiance and i are going down there in about a week and uh <laughs> it's going to be a complete and total change of pace this weekend um i'm going to be at the libertarian party convention and i'm sure you'll have lots oh, to wow. say about that <laughs> oh wow so yeah there's lots of cool people there tom woods dave smith and uh a bunch of people that i know within the libertarian party and then uh, next weekend we'll be down uh, Sarasota Beach, kind of figuring out, uh, you know, the location for our wedding exactly. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. So, congratulations! Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, nine months away, and we, I feel like we got most of the shit kind of like tucked away, and we figured out what we wanted to do. But um, you know, we just want to make sure we can go down there. Not only that, you know, it's it's the free state of Florida, and everything's like better down there. You know, yeah. you'd like swim like eighty <laughs> degrees. It's pen- or I'm in uh, southwestern Pennsylvania, so it's like. Let me see 40 degrees right now and this is like a nice day in the winter time so yeah. like versus going down there in 80 degrees in december and swimming you know there's there's no comparison it's much better yeah when we left early february we had a ice storm mm-hmm. and luckily they got the airport and stuff cleaned off before we left mm-hmm. and then we got down to florida it was like 70s and sunny the whole time and then when we got back about a week later we had a, like 10 9 or 10 inches of snow which is weird for where we are but it happens every once in a while, but no, that's absolutely horrible. I, I can't stand this white shit. I've lived in Pennsylvania for 26 and a half years. I lived in Cleveland for about another year and a half and uh, I fuck both of them. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I kind of wanted to get on to the libertarian party stuff and the, uh, I guess, strategy, because you've been one of my favorite follows and not that Thanks. we necessarily, di- yeah, of course, not that we necessarily disagree because I don't disagree with anyone necessarily on strategy. I may disagree on what the best path is, but I think it's more of, I, I, I hate saying it this way, but it's almost subjective where you got to play to your locale and whatever you deem 
is best, then you do that. And I support you no matter what, like uh, that one guy, Brandon Harnish, I think his name is over in Indiana. Um, he's doing great stuff. And he's even said that he's worked with some LP people and it's been very good to him that way. So, you know, if that's your best way forward, you got my support. So uh, let's start off. What brought you to libertarianism? I've heard you tell this story, but just for people who may not know, uh, you know, detail out your Lulbert phase and how you got <laughs> oh, to no. uh, be a, a based hoppian, as they would say. <laughs> well, actually, now uh, in some recent events have happened that make my Lulbert phase make a lot more sense to me of why it was Lulbert phase. But um, I started out, I um, really didn't get involved with politics or anything at all. I could have voted for the first time in the 2012 election, but I just didn't care, which that was a pretty like historical election. I just could not care less. They all are. Right. They're all historic. Oh my goodness. But you know, I, uh, I just really didn't care about politics. It's not really something our parents ever talked to us about. So many people, when they get into libertarianism, they're like, oh, my dad was a neocon, so was I. Or, oh, my parents were crazy Democrats, you know, so that's what I was. I didn't really have that. Uh, in later years, I have figured out it's because my parents don't agree on politics. <laughs> so that's why they never talked to my brother and I about it, because they couldn't decide which way to go. But it was kind of nice because they they all, all they ever told us is if you're going to vote, neither of us vote a straight ticket. Not sure if I believe that. But now that I'm older, I'm like, mm, I don't know about that, dad, but OK. But um, they told us we just vote for the best person. All the generic like boomer con advice, basically, uh, about politics. But they never sat us down. And aside from learning history, like political history in in school i i never learned about politics never learned about the history of the parties just i just had basic american history essentially and that's it and so i instead of taking that as wow i'll investigate and learn myself i took that as i don't even know about this this is dumb and then every time i tried to get into it of course people would bicker back and forth and it was so so much of a hassle so i just figured you know what there, there's better stuff for me to invest my time in so when I entered college, um, a couple years in, in late 2015, I had this girl reach out to me on Facebook who I had not spoken to since middle school. It was like a friend of a Facebook friend type of thing. But she messaged me and told me that she was looking for somebody to be president of a chapter of Young Americans for Liberty at the college that I was going to at the time. And I asked her what the heck that was because I didn't know. And she explained to me, oh, it's sort of students for Ron Paul, assuming that I would know who Ron Paul is. And I didn't even know who Ron Paul was. That's how far gone I was, just not political at all. Um, and so she asked me out for coffee just to, you know, obviously give her pitch on why I should join. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, oh, I haven't seen this girl in a while. It might be nice to catch up. So we ended up going out for coffee. I told her, listen, I'm a religion major. I'm not really into politics. Like, I, I don't really think I'm going to be good at this. I was very shy at the time. I wasn't involved in any clubs or anything. Um, I wasn't doing like my costuming thing or anything like that yet. So I basically had no hobbies, just kind of floating through life. Like, oh, I'll just get through college and see what's up. And this girl comes along and says, hey, you should be the president. First of all, she kind of bait and switched me because she told me, oh, I just want you to join. And then she laid it on me. Oh, I think you should be the president of the club. <laughs> That was a little too much responsibility for me, but I, she was just a good salesman and it sounded like fun. And the thing that I did honestly enjoy about being involved, obviously I said yes. <laughs> the thing I enjoyed about being involved with Young Americans for Liberty is you actually got to go out and do events. 
It wasn't just sitting around in a room talking and arguing about politics. You actually got to go out and roll six foot tall beach balls around campuses for free speech and things like that. And so after about a year of that, actually probably like seven or eight months, I moved up to state chair for my state. And so then I got to travel around with Young Americans for Liberty and go to different colleges and do petitions and have people sign up for stuff. And it was honestly a really fun time, but it was still my Wilbert phase, unfortunately, because I wasn't learning anything. I wasn't reading anything. I was getting a bunch of t-shirts that said taxation is theft on them and saying stuff like end the Fed, but I didn't know any of the economics behind that. I didn't know really anything beyond slogans, which now I think is a big problem. And I think a lot of these organizations that gets young people involved on the bridge to politics like that are really good. But I think the important thing, what I found out was important is you have to go beyond that. You can't just go around. And that's why it was my Lulbert phase. It wasn't because I was a giant leftist. I I tell people I was probably definitely by default left-leaning just because I was like a pop culture person. So of course, but I would have never, I never identified as like a feminist or a left-wing or Democrat or anything like that. I always said, oh, I'm an independent and I'm libertarian. So it was definitely more Lulbert than like a leftist thing because I do think there's a difference there for a lot of people. And so that's definitely what it was. I just didn't know anything. It wasn't like a malicious, like, yeah, screw the system. And I hate right-wingers and Republicans are dumb. And it wasn't anything like that. It was just, I didn't know anything. And so eventually uh, I got out of Young Americans for Liberty, but I met someone while I was in there named TJ Roberts. Shout out to TJ. Uh, He's great. And he um, introduced me to the Mises Institute and everybody down there. And actually he told me, hey, this is fast forwarding to like 2017 ish. So I'd been a state chair with Yale. I stopped that and I was kind of just still floating through college and I wasn't involved with young Americans for Liberty anymore. Um, but I was still going to the conventions and stuff. Cause I was college age. So I went to like the national convention and I actually went to like, uh, the students for Liberty international conference too in DC. Um, which is when I really realized, Oh, um, these people are left-wing and I don't think I'm left-wing. But I also don't think I'm right-wing because at this point I'm a Lulbert. So I'm like, I'm not left-wing or right-wing, but I don't know what these people are, but I'm not it. Because I heard all kinds of crazy, I, the the, fr- uh, the free markets, not capitalism folks were there like preaching that kind of stuff. And that rubbed me kind of the wrong way. Um, and I got to meet Eric July at that conference. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I like 2017, I started getting involved with Mises people. I'm like my friend TJ and honestly, Eric July is pretty associated with Mises guys too. Um, So I started looking into that. And then in 2018, finally, after years of kind of floundering around, calling myself libertarian, but not really looking into it, I attended a Mises University down in Auburn, Alabama at the Mises Institute. And I got to meet, you know, Walter Block, Tom Woods, all those guys, Jeff Dice, everybody. And uh, it was amazing. First of all, if you're watching this and you're like, what is that? I'm, I'm that age. Um, you need to go. Tho <laughs> um, Bishop is pretty much the only reason I got to go. Um, technically, I was a little bit old because I was getting to the point where like I wasn't really college age anymore. I was like in my fifth year of college. But um, TJ put in a good word for me and Tho let me go essentially. Um, and so I ended up getting in and, and meeting all those really cool people and most importantly, getting a bunch of books <laughs> um, and actually started reading things. And I remember sitting in the economics lectures 
and they're not there's definitely entry level to like intermediate to more difficult ones while you're there but I was sitting in the entry level stuff like oh wow I have no idea what these guys are talking about it was like a foreign and Austrian economics to me is very it's not like other economics it's very much I I really do think for the average person, if they would sit down and just take like an online course or Mises has a lot of online stuff for free, they would get it. It's not like sitting in a college class going, what are these, these graphs and these, I don't understand all this. It's not like that at all, but I still didn't get it. So I was like, wow, I have a lot of learning to do. (laughs) So from like 2018, when I went to Mises university to probably like, I don't know, still now, I mean, I'm still learning, but, Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of when I started making the transition to from my I'm not right wing or left wing to well what is libertarianism actually it's not just taxation is theft and end the federal reserve what does that actually mean to people because and I dealt with this with activism I was running into people and they'd ask me what libertarianism was and I couldn't really tell them I was just like I don't know man live and let live but that doesn't mean anything to people so now I'm involved with a lot more people that are into more of the localism stuff and actually meeting people in your community and connecting with people and putting that together with actually, you know, knowing what you're talking about more instead of just having slogans to be able to meet people where they're at and be able to explain to them why you believe what you believe instead of just kind of doing it because you're an edgy college student and you don't want to be called, you know, a Bernie supporter. So obviously you're just going to be libertarian. So. Right. So, yeah, and so now I'm, you know, all the way to calling myself just openly right wing and I'm Hoppian, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. I still do refer to myself as a libertarian, which is kind of contentious for some people, Um, but I just can't give it up. I can't give up that label. People are like, don't call yourself libertarian. The label's lost to left wing people. You can't save it, but I, I had to ask myself and I ask other people this, at what point do we stop letting people take over labels and keep creating new ones for them to then take over? We got to make a stand at some point. So libertarian is where I'm making that stand, but I call myself happy and just because it kind of honestly weeds bad people out right away, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> to call yourself that. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I agree with your um, kind of last point there that eventually we do have to make a stand for the words that we believe mean something to us because I was introduced to libertarianism by, um, and people are going to freak and <laughs> if they don't already, but like Stefan Molyneux, right? My brother introduced uh, I me I love Stefan. So do I. And the I most met fr- him actually. Oh, did you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I met well, him back in, actually, I met him back uh, 2016. So it was like on my journey to, I have a picture with him that I like to tweet out every once in a while to freak people out, which is ridiculous. But yeah, I love his peaceful parenting stuff. Yeah, so do I. And the most, I, I never understood the outrage because he's not, he's not like aggressive. He's not rude. He debates anybody. He's everybody. Canadian. He's polite. <laughs> right, right. But um he really taught me a lot about this stuff. And Peter Schiff was kind of like the guy that got me into all the Austrian economics. I think he's cool. just a national treasure, but um, like Stefan was the one who really introduced me to libertarianism because my brother was listening to him. And originally my brother was like a raging leftist. And I consider myself more of like a neocon initially, Yeah. but he was like a raging leftist. So I'm like, Oh, well, fuck this. I, you know, I, I leave me the fuck alone. I want to hear about this. I'm surprised he was listening to him. Cause it's so funny now. Well, I he wasn't a lot of, 
he was listening to the Young Turks initially, and then he started getting to Stefan oh, Mondu. So okay. I guess I should have prefaced it that way. But um, so he made a bridge at some point, right? Right, and then he became a libertarian, and then he cut. He used to watch like Amazing Atheist, the Young Turks, all yeah. those kind of guys, and oh, he man. would show me that stuff. And I'm like, man, like I just can't stand these people. Like I don't know why they're wrong, but something about them just makes it very punchable. Not saying that you should, but <laughs> <laughs> so he introduced me to Stefan, and I'm like, man, this guy's like really fucking smart and i was listening to his talks with people and you know how smart he is on philosophy and everything else and that really kind of brought me to eric july larry sharp and some of the other libertarian um thinkers and funny enough actually a uh, spike cohen is the one who kind of got me to dave smith and um which sub subsequently led me to uh scott horton and my brother also introduced me to tom woods so that's kind of nice. like my full journey to libertarianism I, I wouldn't ever really consider myself a Lulbert, but yeah. I definitely had a uh, phase where I was a lot less educated than I am now. And it seems like Hoppe has become like a big thing recently. I don't know what spurred that, but um, perhaps to give a little bit no, more. I'm just kidding. <laughs> perhaps to give a little <laughs> bit more context here. Um, yeah. Back in, I want to say 2017, I think I was listening to Eric July a lot. I remember him talking about left libertarians. I'm like, who the fuck's a left libertarian? I've never heard of that in my life. Right. And then um, last year, I went to the Libertarian Party uh, convention here in Pennsylvania. And I, <laughs> I had like a come to Jesus moment. Met them. Oh, my God. That was God. me at the International, the Students for Liberty Conference. I had the same. That was my experience. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm not these people. I don't know what these right. people are, but I'm not it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, well, you know, I've, I've had this thought a lot and I, I think you'll probably agree. It's like the people who are like most for sex work and not that I'm like for glorifying it. Obviously, you know, hey, it should be legal. But like, I'm not if I have kids, I don't want my daughter to be a fucking sex worker or a porn star. But that's There's a, a controversial to statement to those people. It is. It is. And I consider but myself a, a socially conservative libertarian. Right. Because I believe that, you know, strong traditional, traditional families, tight-knit communities tolerate freedom and the values that we cherish the most, the best. So we can't have degenerates or people <laughs> that, you know, are advocating for sex work in the community because you're going to bring down the, you know, basically the net value of the community because we're, you know, that degeneracy doesn't tolerate freedom the same way that tight-knit families do. I'm sorry, my dogs are going to fucking nuts down. That's all right. I don't know. But, um. <laughs> Yeah, I like met these people. I'm like, we both call each other libertarians, but like, I feel like I'm on a different planet than these freaking yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, there was a point where I, th I just had a terrible time with that international student. I got locked out of my Airbnb. I was like, everyone I stayed with was like very left libertarian uh, and still is. I just ran in, bumped into one of the guys who actually locked me out of my Airbnb on Twitter the other day and immediately blocked him because he's still left libertarian. But he, uh, I, I, between getting locked out of my Airbnb because people were out drunk and partying, which happens at libertarian conferences, but that's never been my thing. So I missed a bunch of the, the lectures that I wanted to see the next day because I had to stay at my one of my boss for Young Americans for Liberty let me sleep on their couch of their apartment because I literally couldn't get back into where I was staying. And then I was running into a bunch of feminists and I'm like, where am I? What planet am I on? I don't, I was like, is it cause there's a bunch of Europeans here? Like I'm confused. I don't understand. Um, 
And it was so funny. I feel like Eric July and I were very out of place at that comp. He actually backwards performed at that mm. conference. And I feel like we were very out of place there. Yeah, I, I like, but, it, it, it's so shocking to me because it seems like the most prominent libertarian thinkers, Dave Smith, Tom Woods, um, you know, all the guys from the Mises Institute, they're all, I don't want to necessarily say right-leaning, although they actually probably, if you look at their values, they probably are, but like, <laughs> those like the most prominent libertarian thinkers but then you have this huge faction of left libertarians and i don't know like who's a prominent left libertarian that you could like name off the top of your head i honestly and this may be a poor reflection on me but i don't think i could name one like i think nick sorwar comes to mind but I, I i don't think he's even really prominent you could probably do almost anybody from reason or cato okay yeah i guess that's a fair point. like the, the thing the, any pretty much any of the think tank dc libertarian types are gonna mm -hmm. be i mean i would not like to call them prominent thinkers but i mean they do have an audience so and that is right. a lot of a lot of people when they think of libertarianism they think of cato institute and reason magazine which is mm. horrifying but right well you know like i said this <laughs> we're probably, working on it <laughs> right. this is probably a poor reflection on me because that's not at all what i think of but um over the last two years, and especially since getting on Twitter, I've kind of had that come to Jesus moment where I realized, yeah. like, man, this movement really has been hijacked by like a, a large group of people who really aren't like good libertarians, especially when you see people like advocating for vaccine mandates or making libertarian justifications for it. <laughs> like these are the people that I share a label with. Yeah. And people think of them when they think of you know libertarian and when i tell them i'm a libertarian like oh so you're probably for like vaccine mandates and sex work <laughs> yeah. no that's not me no. at all i'm the furthest <laughs> thing from that um so uh, the one thing i kind of wanted to ask about with you and other people who consider themselves right-leaning is that sometimes i feel like it almost gets to be i don't want to say circle jerk because this also happens with uh, the red pill blue pill analogy when people apply yeah. politically um it seems like sometimes people may box everything good in the right wing kind of sphere and everything that's bad in the left wing sphere, right? Kind of like how libertarians say, oh, I'm so red pilled and everything that they believe is good in the red pill sphere, but then everything that they don't like is in the blue pill sphere. It just, it seems to be too much like a hammer and a nail thing where they use this red pill analogy as a hammer and everything that's blue pills yeah. and they are, you know, you kind of see where I'm going with it. So um, yeah, definitely. What's your thoughts on what makes somebody right wing versus what makes somebody left wing? So this is a good question because this is ultimately why I started calling myself right wing and gave up on the the left. They're the same bird. They're the uh, different wings on the same bird, guys. They're the same. Um, is because I and credit to Jared from Hoppian.org and Democracy on Twitter. Um, definitely one of the biggest people with convincing me of this and actually explaining it to me because I you know it is so easy to just say well I'm right wing because it's everything that's right in the world and moral and just but a lot of people that's not going to be enough for them it right. should be but it's not you know especially if they're coming from somewhere that is maybe more middle of the road or they're not as far into this as you are like where I came from I was lucky enough to have friends that were associated with the Mises Institute and those people that were willing to say, hey, you should go to this conference. It would change your mind on a lot of things. You'll learn a lot instead of saying, 
well, you're just a low bird. And don't get me wrong. I did get called that a lot and they were correct. (laughs) (laughs) They were correct. Um, And I've done that to people, but if usually if I can tell that someone is coming my way, but kind of isn't making that connection yet, the the biggest distinction is hierarchy um, versus egalitarianism. And you'll see this a lot with left libertarian types. And this is where it actually makes sense that a lot of the left libertarian types that I were running into called themselves feminists and were completely fine with that and would talk about, you know, racial justice, but not in a necessarily get the state out of it way. A lot of times they were fine with state involvement. They just wanted it to go a different way instead of this way. And it always rubbed me the wrong way, but I couldn't make the connection of why they were fine. Because to me, I would look at feminism and I, I couldn't tell them why, but I knew I don't agree with that. And you do, but we both call ourselves libertarians. So I guess it's fine. Um, and then somebody explained to me, you know, egalitarianism is not, it's not possible. First of all, it's not natural at all. You can't make everybody equal. And you think, well, that's obvious, but it's not really. Um, a lot of conservatives preach the um, equality of opportunity, not of outcome, but that's actually still egalitarian. That's not really possible either. You can't possibly make sure everybody's coming from the same place in their life, just like you can't make sure everybody ends up at the same place in their life. And so it was explained to me as not an evil versus good thing, which I think a lot of us jump to at this point in time. And with good reason, it's hard to look at the last two years and not just start thinking these people are just evil. This isn't just politics. These people are straight up evil, but that doesn't work with everybody. Um, And so I call myself right wing because I think um, an important and necessary aspect of libertarianism is anti-egalitarianism. Because ultimately, if you're going to say, I want people to be equal, whether it's starting off or ending up, something's going to have to enforce that. And as an anarcho-capitalist, it's going to be the state. The state's going to come in and that's going to be the easiest solution for humans to use to bludgeon other people into doing what they want, whether they think it's a good cause or not. Um, Because that's another thing I think a lot of people don't necessarily make the connection on. It was so hard for me to condemn feminism. That's just the easiest example for me because that was kind of like my realization that, hey, maybe these people don't have good intentions because they would say things like, we don't hate men. We just want women to be equal to men. And when you say that, if you don't think about it, it doesn't sound that bad. It sounds like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, of course, we want everyone to be equal, especially when, if, as an American, you get that pump, propaganda pumped into at a young age. Mm-hmm. All men are created equal and all this stuff. Um, you're just like, oh, well, how can I tell them feminism is stupid when they're saying they're for equality? That's ridiculous. But then when you start thinking about it, well, how are you going to enforce that? Well, the state's going to have to come in and make sure the quotas are met in workplaces and put all these, you know, we saw with the Me Too stuff, how how militant the feminism stuff could get when it really came out to be anti-men in a lot of cases. Um, and just looking at real world examples like that of this disconnection between people saying that, no, we're for this really moral cause that on the surface seems fine. And then watching in practice what that actually means, which is always some form of state involvement, which essentially means putting a gun to somebody's head and saying, you will say that you are equal to this person or you will be removed. And libertarians not being willing to be like, well, if they're going to remove me from this situation because I don't believe what they believe, 
maybe we should start doing that to people in our circles. Hey, if, if you're preaching this stuff that clearly is going to lead to state involvement and aggression on people, then you're, you're not going to be allowed to associate with me to be in my circles. I'm not allowing that. So, um, I started calling myself right wing mostly because of the egalitarianism stuff. Um, which a lot of that was me reading Rothbard, um, the collection of essays, um, Egalitarianism as a Revolt Against Human Nature. Um, it's a collection of essays of Rothbard, and one of those is about egalitarianism, and it just really hit it home for me. Um, and it really clicked, which the first thing I read that clicked was Anatomy of the State, and then I, I got to the egalitarianism point, and and I don't think a lot of people get to that point. I think they read Anatomy of the State, they're like, cool, I don't like the state but they never get to the conclusion of, well, are there seemingly good causes that I may be supporting that the underlying issue is those are trying to make everyone be equal in one way or the other. And, and that's gonna involve force always. There's no way it's not going to. Whereas I was meeting right-wingers who acknowledged people are different. That's fine. Actually, that's good. Division of labor. We need people to be different. If we all thought the same, we'd all just be NPCs walking around. I know that's an old meme now, but it's real. Wearing a mask, we'd right? Be, right. We'd all just be walking around, staring at our, our phones, waiting for them to tell us when we're going to World War III, uh, wearing masks. So, yeah. <laughs> And I wasn't cool with that. And then I got involved with a bunch of right-wing people who are willing to call themselves right-wing, who acknowledge no there's differences and there's a natural hierarchy and an order of things and myself also I think being Christian that kind of clicked for me too um not everybody that I met that considers themselves right-wing is question Christian but they at least acknowledge that it's important and also coming from my standpoint of okay yeah fathers are the heads of the household you know then mothers have this and no, uh, a father and a mother might not be equal, quote unquote, in their household, but they're essential to make that unit work. So once I started connecting all that and stuff that I'd seen in my own life work, um, it just kind of all made sense. And I felt silly forever trying to differentiate myself from people who clearly believe everything that I believe. Um, and I also, you mentioned neoconservatism. This is another thing that I think is why a lot of people don't make that leap from like left wing to right wing and like they're the same. Because I think a lot of people, when you think right wing, unfortunately, <laughs> you think people like Dick Cheney and George Bush and honestly Ben Shapiro and people like that. And you think, oh gosh, I don't wanna be associated with those guys either. Those guys are, no thank you. It's the neocons, you don't wanna be associated with them. So then you get the point and you're like, cool. I'm not with them, but I'm not with the left. And then at some point, the light bulb clicks. And you're like, hold up. Let me actually look at everything that neoconservatives believe and everything that leftists believe and historically what has gone on. And you start to realize, oh, those are the same people. <laughs> they're all globalists. Um, they're all essentially in, in practice, they preach that they want these things. But like Michael Mao says, oh, conservatism is progressivism driving the speed limit. A lot of that driving the speed limit or going a little over the speed limit is neoconservatives within the Republican Party that say they stand up for family values and all this stuff. But when it comes down to it, they're not standing up for any of that. They're just kind of letting it kick the door in and wipe people out. And they're like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> so 
I think that's another thing that clicked for me is the neoconservative thing, because I couldn't get it out of my head that every time I thought of right wing, I was thinking of these neoconservatives who I know don't stand for anything that I believe or stand for. I just want to, sorry to interrupt, but. Oh, you're fine. I'm very, very glad you're getting to this point because (laughs) this is something that I've wrestled with relentlessly, especially since starting this podcast, talking to, you know, um, people who consider themselves Hoppians or right-wingers or, you know, a, a lot of people that just lean right in general. This is something that I've really wrestled with because indulge me on a rant here real quick oh you're you look, fine <laughs> you look at and this is going to trigger a lot of people in the right wing camp particular and i'm okay with that but you look at donald trump in his last you know year where we're signing bailout packages he didn't end any of the wars he made some of them worse with drone strikes and he's literally pushing for you know all this basically ubi and socialism and you know expanding wars and it's like well this isn't like the good right. Like this is not what I think of when I think of a good right winger, right? This looks like leftism in practice. Um, and then you also hit on Ben Shapiro and a lot of these popular right wingers. I've seen you talk about Charlie Kirk being conservatism Inc. These are like the biggest voices in conservatism now. Yeah. Um, and this is something that I, once again, I battle with a lot because it's like, okay, well, I consider myself more right-leaning than left-leaning, obviously, because, well, I mean, I'm, I've been with, you know, my fiance now for three years. We're going to get married. We want to have a family. And I, I've told her countless times, like, look, <laughs> if we have kids, there, there's like, n- there's no plan B. <laughs> there's not a plan B. That's it. <laughs> you know, because I, I, I will not date someone that's a single mom and that may piss people off. I'm okay with that because I'm not going to, I think that's, of character fault for some people and once again that's gonna piss people off too but um it is your responsibility when you have a kid it's no longer about you it's about the fucking kid yeah, you know that's absolutely. that's so important so but where i kind of wrestle towards the more right-wing thing and i'm sorry this may not be perfectly coherent but um a lot of these people also share the same values as me although when you look at their the political ramifications of voting for them and what they do when they're elected, they're not always reflective of those values. But then once again, you look at their kind of cultural values, I more so agree with them. Whereas you know, you look at the left and it's like, okay, I don't agree with anything there. Right. Like some of them, a handful maybe good on like war and um, personal liberty, but like, not, not really, really. <laughs> not, really. Not, not very many. So, um, I'm sorry to kind of interrupt you and go on a little bit of a tirade there, but that's been something I've been wrestling with. And it, it kind of gives me pause because originally I was a little bit more binary libertarian, right? Where it has to be the libertarian party. But then, you know, over the last couple of months, it's really been for me, like I said, something that I've wrestled with and kind of thought, well, maybe there's more than just this binary. Maybe there's more than just, it has to be the libertarian party. And obviously I don't consider the Democrats just because, it goes without saying right yeah for, for people in our <laughs> they're circle, not on the map <laughs> right and i don't want people to think that i'm not condemning them or anything they do obviously but you know i don't have to tell people this this is so abundantly clear i shouldn't have to say yeah. the democrats and the democrat party are bad every time i see someone say oh i can't decide if the republicans or the democrats are worse i'm like okay maybe pre-2016 you can get away with that stuff that's being very generous to be honest right. If post 2016, you're saying, gee, or even 2020, heck, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt pre, you know, the craziness that's going on. I don't want to get anybody censored, but we all know what I'm talking about. Um, 
if after that and people literally locking their cities down and was very, very one way, there was a handful of Republican governors that were freaks about it. Then again, you look at their values and they're not actually living out those conservative values that they say. So, mm. you know, can you really call them conservatives at that point? But it's it's very obvious that one side might not always be the best, um, but they're allies with us completely on social values. And I, I struggle with this a lot. I used to be one of those, thank you, Young Americans for Liberty, that stupid t-shirt you give out. I don't know if they still give it out, but they used to give out Young Americans for Liberty on the front. And then on the back, it said, fiscally conservative, socially liberal. <laughs> that <laughs> thank you, Gary Johnson. Disaster for the human race <laughs> of a phrase. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you so much for confusing everyone their entire life. Mm-hmm. You you can actually be libertarian and fiscally and socially conservative, actually. Yep. Thank you very much. <laughs> actually, it's the only way we're going to get there, if you ask me, but um, which you kind of talked about earlier. But, you know, I I don't know how anybody, especially after the past, I guess, three years at this point, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's three years now. Yeah. Can look at that and be like, gee, I don't know which state I'd want to live in, Florida or New York. It's like, what did you stop? Who, first of all, who are you even trying to impress? Because anybody with half a brain, which is who I want to attract personally, people with brains, um, I don't care about the people without brains. They're gone. We can't save right. everybody. It's fine. Triage. We cannot save those people. It sucks, but it, it's, it's reality. I want to attract people with brain cells and the people with brain cells go, yeah, Florida seems like a nice place to vacation, not New York City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen anybody really going for um, New York to vacation. Like before 2020, I'm like, man, I always want to go to New York, just like see New York. And yeah, it's kinda, New York City. Right, right. I just want to experience it because I've been to a decent bit of places here on the uh, East Coast. I don't go anywhere on the West Coast. I've been to Vegas once. Uh, I really wouldn't care to go back. But um, <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, I just want to go there to go there. And now I'm like, no, probably not. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even get in now. So. No, no. You know, I, and you know, what's fucked up is I could show them an antibody test and say, look, I had it, but <laughs> that, yeah, that don't matter. And not that I would do that. Good, but wouldn't. Um, yeah. One other thing I was listening to in one of your live streams recently was the uh, talk about gatekeeping. And <laughs> uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier about removing people. And I do think that's important because, you know, we kind of have to take a stand somewhere. And once again, if you have degeneracy and, you know, these ridiculous Lulberts that aren't good on anything that will literally justify vaccine mandates where they're going to, they're okay with you being forced down to have a needle shoved in your arm, then like, why should I side with you if literally you're going to you're push... stab me in the back? As I'm yeah, sure. well, I'll stab me in the shoulder or, the or in the back. Yeah. <laughs> what, <laughs> what good are you at that point? So um, this was something that, once again, I wrestled with for a little bit, but now I kind of look at it a little bit more clear and think, okay, well, maybe we need to gatekeep a little bit. Maybe we need to kind of have like a barrier to entry and tell these people like, look, if you're not going to kind of toe the line here, then fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people struggle with this and I struggle with this too, but ultimately I, I think my own journey kind of showed me why it's important. Um, like I said earlier, when we were talking, I, I had people call me a Lulbert and say really, really mean, like just straight up mean things to me online. Oh my gosh, people say mean things online. Oh no. Um, but, and things that legitimately, I think a lot of people, 
would have just been like, well, fine, I'm not calling myself libertarian. These people are big meanie heads. But in in my opinion, <laughs> I don't really care if it makes you mad. If if people making fun of you, even if they're just poking fun, because I don't even think a lot of it's malicious. I think a lot of it is just people teasing each other, like, yeah, okay, whatever. And we we jokingly call each other statists all the time. A lot of it's just banter. But even the stuff that's not banter and the people that are seriously saying, you don't know what you're talking about. You sound like an idiot, which is something I had said to me a lot. And they were correct at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't, this is such a boomerism. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Like, seriously. I mean, well, because it was under pressure and mm-hmm. under fire like that, that I was like, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I am going to read these books. And I am going to read economics so that you don't think I'm stupid. And and just a typical, you know, grifter woman and mm-hmm. just coming in here, call myself an ANCAP for likes and followers and things like that. And that's why I am where I am today, because people essentially gatekept Wolbert mm-hmm. me out of their circles until I was able to demonstrate that I at least understood the core values and things that you're supposed to believe if you are actually a libertarian and not just spouting slogans. Mm-hmm. So I definitely get it's not fun to be the person that is saying, I'm sorry, but I'm kicking you out of this, you know, group chat. I'm, I've kicked people on my telegram for saying stupid things. Like mm-hmm. somebody, somebody in my telegram called me anti-white this past week, which is hilarious. I mean, look at me. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, because You're doing I said, great. I'm doing great. Um, <laughs> because I, I said that I just, I, it's not that I don't care about the war between Russia and the Ukraine, but I have bigger fish to fry here at home and I'm anti-war. I'm not going to go, I'm, I'm not going to sign up for my kids in 20 years to be going to fight over in Europe and an ongoing war that we're going to get. And I got called anti-white and said I should care because those are two groups of white people fighting. And I'm like, no, buddy, I don't care. So, <laughs> so don't. you know what's hilarious about that is that it's literally like the exact opposite of leftism, except for, well, maybe that's not the right way to phrase. Actually, but... this dude was openly calling himself a leftist. So, okay, well, it, it's kind of like he was a pro-white <laughs> leftist. Explain that. Yeah, it makes no sense. I, we tried to tell him that doesn't make any sense. I feel like you would be so isolated being a pro-white leftist just because they wouldn't want to talk to you, and then obviously nobody on the right wing or libertarian yeah. side of the aisle. Well, and that's what happened. Either. He got kicked out of my circle, so you're just you're isolating yourself. But here again, he was using a label that identified, even though he agreed with me on some stuff. I'm I think all the white nationalists, all sorts of stupid stuff, just because I don't hate myself for being white. Um, so he obviously agreed with me on that. I don't think anybody should hate themselves for being white. Um, but he was calling himself a leftist and had all these like, yeah, we should give everybody free healthcare and stuff. And I go, I was trying to explain to him, like I kind of just said earlier, that's at the point of a gun. You realize that, right? And you're just going to get us back here because unsound fiscal policy gets us to bigger government, which gets us to leftism. That's how this works. (laughs) Um, which is why some of the quote unquote right wing, he was calling himself a leftist, but I have seen some right wingers be like, yeah, you know, social programs are fine as long as they're just for white people. And I'm like, you're just going to end up with a society that hates (laughs) white people again. It's a circle guys. It's a circle. But, um, anyways, back to what we were saying, gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. Um, I get why it makes people uncomfortable. It's not comfortable to, to, 
to be, I have a clip now from one of my live streams that I send to people or say, I, I, at this point, I do not care if people think I am the bad guy. I would rather be viewed as being the bad guy. If it means I'm surrounding myself with actually good people who actually believe what I believe instead of being the nice guy. That's like, sure. Come on in Bernie supporter who just stopped supporting Bernie three months ago and still is calling themselves a Democrat, but you think you're a reasonable one. But then anytime I talk about anything, you get mad about it. Like, why would I want to associate with someone like that? You wouldn't. That's like, you're just waiting to get stabbed in the back. And not only that, but the, the problem, the ultimate problem is, and why gatekeeping is necessary. Yeah, gatekeeping might not be necessary if the left wasn't doing it. But the left has been gatekeeping very successfully. I mean, if you have nine out of the 10 positions that they hold except one, you get kicked out. Right. That's not you step your toe out of line. We've all seen it on Twitter and in real life. They'll get you. They don't care if you've been on their side for two decades. If a blue checkmark journalist says something that leftism TM recently in the past three years has decided is a platform thing, you're out. That's it. You don't get that. If the left wasn't doing that, we might be able to be like, yeah, come on over, buddy. It's fine. You'll, you'll eventually come our way because a lot of people, sure, they do eventually come our way. Um, you know, but we don't have that luxury is basically what it is. And that it's a tough realization, but we just, we don't have it. I mean, like you said, the figure, the figureheads of conservatism of the past, just five to 10 years, when you look at how they're actually living their lives and their policy, it doesn't even look like conservatism. And then we talked about libertarianism. We, we've got all these people who clearly, they claim to think taxation is theft and we should end the Federal Reserve but they're for, you know, jab mandates for masks on children. They don't care. Everybody should just do what you want as long as it's not hurting anyone, even if it's pumping hormones into your kids. Like, I'm no, what? This is not, no, thank you. This is not, yeah, you, this you is know, not what I'm about. <laughs> something that's that's been weird is that literally saying, I don't think we should have transgender children. Um, transgenderism isn't like normal not that i think there's there's necessarily anything like morally wrong with these people but clearly there shouldn't be the norm right right. there's something wrong with them and i'm not saying that in like a derogatory way it's just if if you want to change your sex then clearly there's something going on there well, something deeper than just i'm gonna do it and that's it there's right then you know you just decided right and then saying um, you also kind of alluded to this in one of your uh, previous live streams I was listening to is uh, kind of have an in-group preference. That's okay. Yeah. I prefer my fiance. I'm very discriminatory, right? I discriminated <laughs> against all other jobs to go work on cars. I discriminated against all black, Asian, um, all other races of European women for my fiance. That's okay. I had a friend of mine at a work um, at the last place I worked at. And uh, here in Pittsburgh, they were like mandating that you couldn't discriminate based on whether or not a woman's pregnant. And I, and oh. he, right. He was saying, oh, you know, that's discriminatory and that's bad. I said, no, there's nothing wrong with that. He's like, yeah, it's discriminatory. I said, that's okay. <laughs> that's perfectly <laughs> fine because you're going to have to have this woman who's going to be at a reduced productive, you know, a reduced productive capacity because she's pregnant. And then you're going to have to deal with her being off for a period of time. And I don't have a problem with that. But once again, now the workforce is down a person. So why should they not be able to say like, 
sorry, we don't want to hire you. I, I don't see any problem with that. Yeah, it's, it's weird because even some people they can make, because in a way, I mean, we could get into what is gatekeeping actually, but in mm-hmm. a way, just having in-group preference is gatekeeping. Right. So if you're going to say gatekeeping is bad and it's mean, and a lot of those people who say that are the ones, I had this guy just really get mad at me once because I just said, um, well, I mean, yeah, my husband's white, so my kids are going to be white. And that's fine. And if you're black and you want to date a black woman, that's fine. And he's like, so you wouldn't date a black guy? And I said, no. And he got so mad. He must've been black. That's the only explanation. He was in an anonymous mm-hmm. account, but he just got so mad. I go, it's just in-group preference. That's all it is. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, and you have it too. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's a whole nother story. But that's just like the easiest example I have of that. But it works the same way with political stuff. I have an in-group preference for people who are not afraid to say, I'm anti-egalitarian. I am socially more conservative. Um, and that's where I think libertarianism needs to go to move forward because it's what practically and, and strategically makes sense. And if you're somebody who doesn't agree with that, why would I let you into my circles? Right. It's, just, it's, it's the tolerance argument Mm -hmm. well you're being intolerant okay yeah there's some things i don't tolerate um i'm christian there's a lot of things i don't tolerate i I don't tolerate evil behavior nobody should there are some things you should not tolerate but this whole tolerance and we need to be nice to everyone it's the the what i eventually realized and honestly one of the big things that pushed me towards right-wingers in general, and then eventually calling myself right-wing, is the Christian thing. I kept running into these libertarians who were the live and let live types. And I thought, okay, great. At that point, I said, fine, you do you, I'll do me. I don't care what your lifestyle is. It doesn't affect me. It does, but whatever. It doesn't affect me. You know, that's where, I, that's the point I was at. And then they would, I'm not somebody, I don't have Christian in my bio. It's something I talk about a lot on live streams and podcasts, but I don't like tweet about it constantly. I don't like tweet out Bible verses and stuff. I'm not like in your face about it. So people just sometimes don't know. And I was offhandedly mentioning it to these libertarians who are obviously atheist agnostics, something in that stripe. And they would just go insane and tell me, you can't be a Christian anarcho-capitalist. That doesn't make any sense. Clearly you want a theocracy and all of this stuff. They're just projecting onto me very nastily. And I just thought, okay, well, you just said live and let live until you found out this is how I live. And the thing that I started to notice is that only goes one way. (laughs) It doesn't go live and let live more traditionally. It goes live and let live. However degenerate you want to be, that's fine. But the person that's saying, actually, I don't really want to associate with you because I don't really believe in that. That's not really my thing. Even if it's not for religious reasons, I've seen people go, not really a fan of that. I'm not even Christian. It's not even from like a sin thing. I just don't want to associate with that. It's kind of cringy. Just like literally say, that's cringy. No, thank you. They go insane. They would go insane and they would say, well, why not? You have to, you have to associate with it or you're a bigot or all this pick a phobic of any kind yeah and i started to realize that only goes one way (laughs) i never met any socially conservative people saying live and let live that did it the other way in my experience i'm sure they're out there but it was mostly clearly left libertarians who usually weren't christians 
who, when I said I was Christian, had more, quote, I hate even traditional, but that's just the easiest way to say it, views. And that's when they would start going, well, I don't want to associate with you. And I thought, wait a second. (laughs) I thought this was live and let live. But now all of a sudden, which to me is fine. They should be, we just talked about, they should be allowed Mm -hmm. to discriminate me that way. But the problem is they're also the people saying discrimination is bad. Tolerance is good. Unless you're more conservative than me, which is just (laughs) them gatekeeping. That's what that is. But that's why I started going fine. I'm going to gatekeep you. I don't want to associate with you. If Mm -hmm. you want to call me a bigot over it, fine. Because I know either I do that or I'm going to be forced to have your values at some point in my life because they're going to take over which is what we're seeing in everyday life. <laughs> Every corporation two times a year during two months just becomes one social issue and it's everywhere and you can't escape from it. And nobody thinks that's weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody thinks it's weird. It's just part of life now. That never used to be part of life decades ago. It was just like, do your business. I'll do mine, whatever. We're cool. It's fine. And that we're already seeing it's, it's really been such a short amount of time that we've really seen the left take hold of culture. I mean, I know it's, mm-hmm. it's been a long time and a short time at the same time, because, you know, there's going to be people that are like, well, in Europe, it's been in the United States. Right. It really has not been. I talked to my grandparents and even my parents, and I just think this is just insane. Nobody my parents' age was saying that fat is beautiful. Okay, so I'm really, really glad you brought this up because this kind of tailors into uh, my next okay. point. Uh, <laughs> um, it perfectly segues into something that uh, I think kind of relates to the other topic of this podcast and also um, something, another thing I want to talk to you about, but um, the whole feminism deal. So you seem to reject it, and yeah. I like that a lot because... Um, just to give a little brief history, right? When I was in middle school, I was a little asshole wound up kid, right? I failed seventh grade. And uh, I can't tell you how many times the teachers would tell me, would tell me or tell, you know, the girls I was talking to at the time that I was bad influence, they should spend any time around me. And there'd be girls like plunging pencils into guys' hands and getting like detention. And then we'd get like thrown out of school or you know suspended for 10 days my brother brought a slingshot into school and he got suspended for 10 fucking days and this was 10 days 10 days out of school suspension for bringing that's like a fight at my school you had to get in a real bad fight to get suspended for 10 days yeah well i I, you know what's funny (laughs) i never beat that and i was the way worst behaved one my brother just brings a slingshot in just 10 days my dad was like yeah he's like, the old's the record now yeah <laughs> my dad's like i was laughing in this guy's face like you're really gonna throw him out over a fucking slingshot what do you think he's gonna do <laughs> so um and that kind of pushed me away from this egalitarianism idea and the ideas that i was hearing a lot of feminists prop up and you know i'm sure we all heard that uh you know, women make 77 cents per man's dollar and Obama talking about the mattress girl, right? Emma Sulkowitz, who uh, was mm-hmm. prayed around all the magazines and she completely destroyed this kid's life. And then it turned out later that uh, that was all a lie. It was all a fabrication. There was text to prove it and everything. And I kept seeing this stuff happen. And I feel like it's almost controversial for me to talk about this stuff like the anti-feminism stuff because there's a lot of people in libertarian circles who were well i can't believe i'm about to say this but so left wing so egalitarian that you can't say that like there is a very very 
poorly situated hierarchy here where women are supposed to believe that be believed at face value no matter what and then you know you can completely ruin a man's life and there's no consequences for it um was there like a paradigm shift for you or was this something that you just never really bought on to um I never called myself a feminist, but I've seen some pretty cringy Facebook memories from myself <laughs> that I just, I really need to just do a live stream of me just reacting to my old Facebook posts because it would just be a treasure trove of cringe. There were definitely some things I shared, like I would share like raise girls and boys the same and like that kind of stuff, mm. which Ooh. definitely Ooh. like a feminine, right? How horrifying is that? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we can get in. that's a whole nother subject but i would share things like that that on the face they sound they just sound like again wow look just slogans and you don't mm-hmm. think anything of it right it seems like wow maybe just any kind of slogans not even just libertarian ones you should probably look into those before you just go spouting them off mm-hmm. but i would share things like that but i never call myself a feminist i had some friends who call themselves feminists and i always thought it was a little cringy because i'm like they'd be like i said well why are you calling yourself that and uh, they would say, well, I want men and women to be equal. And I would think. <laughs> yes. The, one, the I would typical think, answer. <laughs> one, I would think, are we not? But then two, I would also think, well, why does that need a label? Isn't that what everybody thinks? Mm-hmm. You know, normie me. Which, to be honest, that is the default for most people. Right. They might not take it to the crazy conclusions leftists do. But I think most normal people, if you said that to them, be like, yeah, men and women are equal. Yeah, we have equal rights and things like that. They would just not think anything of it. And then there's me like, no, egalitarianism, like going full autistic about it. But um, I used to share things like that. I think the biggest paradigm shift for me um, was on a lot of things was starting to date my husband. Um, so my, I have a brother. He's my only sibling. And we're only 15 months apart. So we went to high school pretty close together. We were pretty close in, in grades and like middle and high school but he was always really really good at school and always got really good grades so I don't think I ever really saw the um at least directly in my circle I would see guys in my class get detention which I was in detention on too because like seventh grade on I was not I did not like school at all um we had snack rotation that's how much we were in detention um just for not doing our homework nothing like i was not getting in fights or anything like that obviously i mean look at me but uh (laughs) you're six foot tall on network oh right i forgot i'm six foot tall yeah i was just drawing them all um (laughs) but um when i started to be hobby yeah yeah. (laughs) when i when i started dating my husband um he started to talk about how you know he he doesn't really like school and you know teachers are treating him differently and I could tell I obviously knew he was very smart and he was he could get he got good grades still but you could tell he just hated it and I never really understood why um because I just I was told that I hate school and something's wrong with me because I don't want to do homework like my mom made me go to a psychologist because she was like is someone like touching you like why are you not good at school all of a sudden I'm confused which I mean, to be fair, it was just a good mom thing to do, I think, if your kid Mm -hmm. suddenly changes in behavior. But in retrospect, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's actually, it actually makes sense that like a lot of kids just don't learn that way. There's nothing wrong with you for not learning that way. You just didn't like it. And I hit like sixth, seventh grade and I hated, I used to love school. Like I would wait for school supply shopping day every year 
so excited. And then I met my husband and started talking to other guys that I was like meeting in college with like Young Americans for Liberty and stuff who I knew were very intelligent people, but they, they just did not care about school. And they were having experiences where actually my mother-in-law had to get a, this is so ridiculous, but it's a good example. Um, my mother-in-law had to get a doctor's note to give to one of my husband's teachers in grade school to tell him, you're not giving them enough recess time. You need to go let him run for like 15 minutes, like halfway through the day. Just like let him go outside, run around because that's what boys need to do. Boys, that's just how boys are. Right. They just tend to have more energy. They can't sit still that as much longer. It's not because they all have, they're not ADHD or ADD riddled. That's just how boys are they're just typically more rambunctious they don't learn that way they need to run around and be crazy and that's just how they are and um I had never had anybody tell me stories like that growing up and like I said my brother was always very good at school um and never really had complaints like that and then when I started dating my husband we've been dating since we were 18 so we've been dating for we've been together for a decade this May so it's been a long time (laughs) Just over the years, talking to him and talking to other people, especially in online circles, especially guys about their experiences, particularly with school, but also with just how women treated them, um, I started to realize something's up here. Like this narrative that my feminist friends have about, oh, I'm the oppressed, clearly is not institutionally it's not even institutionally true like they'll say well it's institutionally not socially some of them will try to argue that and pretend they're not as radical as they are that's not true either yeah and I started just I think I'm just I'm a person like when I'm presented with evidence I can look at the evidence and go okay wait a second this is not what I've been told this is not matching up and that's eventually what started happening with like gender dynamics and things like that um and then a couple years ago, um, so that's why I've never considered myself a feminist because it just, one, I mean, <laughs> the people that use the label, I just look at them and I'm like, right. no, I don't want to be called that. Um, and just the things that they were saying didn't match up. And then a couple years ago, I got involved uh, <laughs> kind of just by chance. I don't really know why. I just started reading a lot of red pill like manosphere type stuff. And now a bunch of them follow me on Twitter and retorted me. I've seen, yeah. Um, And I don't really know how that happened or why, I don't know. Um, But I started reading a bunch of that stuff, like actual like Mm -hmm. intersexual dynamic stuff. And that really put it together. Um, And honestly, even I, I, people are like, oh, you're so based. No, like readings, like the rational male series and stuff like that. It did challenge some assumptions that I had about myself. Mm-hmm. because I think every, first of all every woman likes to believe well I'm the outlier <laughs> I'm so special and then reading that book I'm like I was I would tell my husband read this I don't do this do I and he would go oh I'm like oh yep. wow okay I guess I need to like really take a step back and think about what this is actually saying and try not to get triggered by it but just you know soak it in and really you know, eventually I just realized it's fine that we're different. It's fine that we do different things. Yes, right. women tend to be more neurotic than dudes, but that's fine. My husband said, you got to be a little crazy to carry a human for nine months and pop it out of you. Right. You have to be a little crazy because that's an insane thing to take on and do. Mm-hmm. And I used to get mad at him when he said that, but now I'm like, no, 
but I think you're, I think you might be right. You just have to be a little crazy, <laughs> but a good kind of crazy. Right. You just got to channel that in the right direction. And men channel their, you know, their tendency to focus on things and like really get at things and, and produce mm-hmm. things into a good direction. And that's how things are supposed to go. When things start getting all willy nilly and we're arguing and, oh, we're all equal and we can all be the same. That's when things go really south. And right. it became very obvious pretty much, I think over the course of like the last five years, probably. Um, I probably had pretty normie opinions on like gender and things like that until like the past five or six years. Um, but it was basically just a culmination of years of dating my husband and like hearing his stories and just his actual experiences with other people besides me and crazy things. And then our friends, just other guys that we knew that like were in our social circles. And then getting involved with like red pill stuff and really getting to like, I mean, I hate to say science TM, but like the evolutionary science and stuff behind it is real. So that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't really think there was like one moment. It was just kind of a gradual shift of experiences of me eventually going, okay, I wasn't feminist, but I don't think I realized, and you know, maybe it's just because I'm, I'm a girl, you know, we tend to make everything about us. So I just thought, I'm not having that experience. You can't be having that experience. That doesn't make any sense. And then realizing, well, no, I'm a girl, you're a boy. We can, we do have very different experiences. And actually the fact that no, none of my girlfriends were having that experience is just lended to that. Clearly something's up. So yeah, it was just a culmination of a lot of different things. I don't even really, I don't know. I don't, I uh, don't really like to call myself anti-feminist because I'm like, I used to be really annoyed when people be like, I'm anti this. And that's like their whole personality. I'm like, can't you be pro something? Why do you got to be yeah. anti? But now I'm like, no, I'm anti-egalitarian. That's feminism, all that stuff. I'm fine with that now. But I, <laughs> back in my little face, I used to be like, I, I just want to be pro stuff. I don't want to be anti stuff. And it's like, well, if you're principled at all, you're going to be anti some stuff. <laughs> right. You have to be. <laughs> I get, I, I agree. Um, I get annoyed with the red pill, blue pill, uh, terminology being used in a political context because if you look at a lot of these guys and even guys who are like good on just about everything mm-hmm. they'll there's they'll say they're the most red pill dude in the world you know they they swallow yeah. the whole bottle of red pills when it comes to politics but then like if you look at their dating life they're like to use the correct it's terminology yeah they're completely blue pilled mm-hmm. in the dating term yeah in um, the dating world like uh, i'm dating a a single mom with a whole bunch of kids and you know i'm so frustrated because i'm such a nice guy and she won't sleep with me anymore (laughs) but but, you know hey guess what i'm red pilled on this thing you know actually i used to get bothered by because i think i do think a lot of people that are in the red pill sphere, like the manosphere guys, you can tell they're more socially conservative. They just don't say it. I'm like, I can tell by the things yeah. you tweet and you're not pro-feminist and all this. Rolo you Tomas clearly have a political- years. Right, like, you know, <laughs> he's got a kid, you know. Right. But I used to get mad because especially Rolo would say things like, you know, the red pill is not supposed to be political. It's amoral. It's mm-hmm. just, you apply it to your life, use it, I don't care what your politics are, get yourself, dig yourself out of this hole with women that you're in, whatever you're in, this blue pill mindset. And I used to get frustrated with that, but I, I definitely, like you just said, there's plenty of people, especially, cons- and I, I, another reason I hate it is now, I think Michael Malice has talked about this a little bit too, because he uses the red pill, blue pill stuff. 
I hate, I hate it. I'm sorry. I hate I that hate red it. pill is like red pill is Republican and blue pill is Democrat. And then I've seen some cringy libertarian be like, I'm yellow pilled. And I'm like, I hate it here. That is <laughs> not what that means. Please stop. Like, mm-hmm. so now I completely get why all the guys in that kind of sphere get kind of peeved at that because that's where it always goes you always see this republican dude being like yeah i took a whole bottle of red pills and he's like on his third wife and he's dating a single mom or whatever <laughs> you're like dude no yeah. you're clearly you you overdosed something went wrong because you've come full circle something uh, happened but pump the brakes buddy you need somebody somebody needs to get in there because right. clearly something's wrong you read the directions wrong mm-hmm. um <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely, I, I'm a lot more sympathetic these days, kind of like you were saying, like, I don't like when it's p- applied politically. And it always just, it always comes off cringy anyway. It does. Even if the person, even if the person is red pill, like people call me based in red pill. I'm like, okay, I get it's funny, but it's, I would never like call myself Bases and red pill is not something you call yourself. It's bestowed upon you. Okay. Right. That's the other thing. You it, cannot it, go around calling yourself, I'm so red pilled. It's like, if you have to call yourself red pilled, you're probably not red pilled. Yep. <laughs> well, I see um, some people liking the tweets I put out when I kind of poke fun at people who use this terminology a lot in the political context. Yeah. Because I do think a lot more libertarians need to kind of like up their games like, dude, you guys are fucking losers. And this goes back to the point I was saying a little bit earlier, where like the people who are advocating for sex work probably need it the most. Yeah. And, and it's like, it shouldn't be that way. You guys should be completely solid individuals, leaders of your household, and then you can go out in the world and try to make some kind of change. And I know it's very Jordan Peterson-y, but- Get your own, clean your own room first, then you yeah. can clean other people's right. rooms, I well, guess. clean your room, <laughs> bucko. Yeah. <laughs> but Wash it, your balls, bucko. <laughs> but really, but there, there, there's a take point a shower. Tonight. Right, right. Please. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't smell you three rows over at the Libertarian Convention. Please um don't. But yeah, no, seriously, there is a, I've been, a, I've liked, um, I don't know if you are familiar with Travis on like kind of the libertarian Twitter sphere. He Travis does a Tyree? Lot of like, yeah, yeah. He does a love lot of, him. He does Absolutely a lot of fitness love stuff. Him. Yes, yes. And that's I like my boy. seeing somebody like that that's like in our spheres. It's like, no, like <laughs> you need to be building mass. You need to be, you know, I, it cracks me up, but it's true. You're absolutely right. You can't, and you know, that's something that, um, that I kind of went through as well, like from like 2019, like right after we got married in 2019, my husband and I were like, oh my God, we're so fat. Like this, <laughs> And I know people look at me and they're like, you were never fat. Listen, when I'm being hospitalized for heart issues, because there's 30 pounds sitting on my chest, something's wrong. You can say that's not fat for most people. That's fine. Something is wrong. That was too high a body fat percentage for my body. I was mm-hmm. not healthy. I was eating like garbage. Now I eat chicken like three or four times a week. Um, but you know, I, I lost like 25 pounds, 25 or 30 pounds. My husband lost like 60. He's still on his, he's like, I'm going to have a six pack. I'm like, you go, you go, you get there, you get lean. Um, he's still on his journey, but he's, we're both so much healthier than we used to be. And you feel you do. I know it's a meme, especially in fitness Twitter. You do feel better. When you look better and you're taking care of yourself and you're eating better, not even just physically, when you're not, you know, sitting on the couch, I notice if I, during the day, if I'm sitting on the couch, I'm watching TV a bunch and I'm not doing up, doing stuff around the house. I know I have to do, I feel worse mentally. 
Right. It's a normal thing. People feel better when they're productive, not just like physically, but mentally too. do something that you enjoy that you want to be doing and better yourself. And I do think that is a huge, um, it's a huge blind spot, especially among libertarians. I've been saying might not be completely optical, but I've, I've taken to the phrase, you know, guys, physiognomy is real. Like there's a lot of people I can look at and if you're like a fat slob and you're like not taking care of yourself and, and things like that, nine times out of 10, I can look at you and I'm like, you're probably not a right-wing libertarian. You're probably like a, a little bit of a left-wing. And if you're like borderline, I'm like, okay, you're probably getting there. You're on your way. But like, it's really, it shouldn't be easy to do, but it is. I mean, they've even been coming out with articles. They've come out with such stupid articles. And at first I laughed at them, but I was like, oh my gosh, maybe there's something to it. Like saying like, uh, lifting and stuff is for right-wingers and reading books and stuff is for right-wingers. You think that's ridiculous, but then you get into online circles and you think, wait a second, <laughs> like the people that are saying post physique, that post physique are right-wingers and they look really good. And they're replying to these like soyed out, like, you know, you know, clearly way too high body content dudes that don't take care of themselves. that are simping for all these people under, under Twitter comments. That's who's doing that. It's not anybody that values themselves that's taking care of themselves. So that's a huge thing. I think libertarians need to get on board. And I do unironically think if more people took care of themselves, they would just start to become right wing because I think they would just start to apply it to everything else in their life. Yeah, well, you know, that's kind of why for the longest time I like struggled to make myself i don't want to say a public figure because that's that's pretty cringy but to start doing a podcast right because two years well three years ago now i was 250 pounds i just started dating my fiance oh yeah i was way heavier um i put pictures up um on twitter and i think it was episode 49 of my podcast on youtube i reviewed like my physique as self-indulgent as that was it was for the purpose of kind of explaining my history and how i got to where i am now so um Part of this podcast was to kind of bring more health into libertarianism and perhaps mm-hmm. bring a little bit more libertarianism into the health sphere. And I'm noticing very, very surprisingly, it's it works out very, very well, right? Rob yeah, Wolf. There's definitely an overlap. So Rob Wolf, the guy who pretty much popularized the paleo diet, I mean, he's been on the show twice and yeah. like he's <laughs> couldn't distinguish him from pretty much one of us other than the fact that he kind of like likes the conservatism ink guys he pretty much says yeah we need to go down to the local level and resist this kind of shit and you know buy from our local farmers you know he's yeah. a, a dude who's married and has a couple kids um i, I don't you know there's not I, that much difference right <laughs> um sean baker i had him on and you know he's completely against all the vaccine mandates and he's all about you know, take care of his family and once again, buying food locally, resisting, you know, this ridiculousness. Um, all these people are allies and I think it's an untapped resource that no one in the libertarian sphere has really kind of put two and two together. And I'm not saying it's going to work perfectly and I'm not saying I'm no, going to be but... the grand messiah here, but you know, <laughs> um, you've made this point before and maybe we could close on this, um, kind of affect the culture in your sphere i was watching your video with uh about Nicki minaj today and <laughs> i like had a cursory understanding of kind of what went on there yeah and uh once i kind of watched your video and heard what she had to say it, it's kind of shocking how someone like her who you know 22 million followers on twitter and one of like the biggest radio stars in the last like 20 years 
talks like a normal person, not like the normie, normie kind of person, like somebody that's like questioning authority. It right. really surprised and not me. not like, and, and she wasn't doing it in like an autistic, like, guys, we have to fight the federal government kind of way. She right. was just like, she, it was clearly just someone putting two and two together. Like, wait, why are we being told this? This doesn't make sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah she was just literally asking questions Questions. that yeah that anybody should be able to ask and the funniest part was that they fucking dropped the hammer on her everybody had to go in you had to get the articles the fucking white house called her for fuck's sake hilarious yeah so um we could like i said we perhaps we could finish on this um is you're into cosplay which is Mm -hmm. really don't don't i'm not saying this in a pejorative way but like strange because yeah i kind of understand how those circles kind of go um <laughs> or at least have a cursor a understanding. <laughs> right um do you feel you've been successful there and you know just how's that kind of been for you trying to affect that culture um it's been kind of tough especially with what's going been going on like the past two or three years like mm-hmm. i probably won't go to conventions and stuff anymore just because i'm quite literally not going to be allowed to because <laughs> no. i'm a second class citizen now um All right but um one of the most frustrating things and and this is why i'm such a big proponent of people speaking up and i know i mean credit I, mostly because of eric delai watching what he's done with you know the music scene and comics and stuff and just also being unashamed to just be like yes i'm a libertarian i'm an ancap but i also do this stuff and i really like this quote-unquote nerdy stuff um definitely inspired me to just be like, yep, I'm, I'm a cosplayer and I'm an ANCAP and you guys might be crazy leftists, but like, there's also normal people. And I have had a bunch of people privately and, and some publicly just reach out to me and be like, you know, I'm, I'm lefty, but I don't like this cancel culture stuff, especially with cosplay. So for context, for anybody who doesn't know, it's basically just costuming. Oh, you think of like comic, like most normal people know about, you know, New York Comic Con and stuff like that. People that dress up as superheroes. I do that, but it's mostly Japanese, like cartoons, like anime and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's people that do all kinds of stuff and do crossovers and things. But it's it's very leftist culturally. And it's actually so leftist culturally that even at conventions, and my husband and I have been talking, it's almost like anime conventions are becoming like pride conventions it's so weird there's such a big like leftist influence Mm -hmm. maybe i don't know if it's because of the furries i don't know um but um there's such there'll be like 18 plus at least they're making it 18 plus but there'll be like um pride panels and things like that that are clearly like very heavily leftist culturally but you don't see anything the other way. Like I, I could never give a, a talk on like, you know, the economics of X anime or something like that because mm-hmm. people would be like, one, probably not interested because so many people are leftists. But the, the other thing is there's such a big mob mentality course because they gatekeep. Again, they will gatekeep you. They mm-hmm. will kick you out. Um, there's a couple of people that I follow on Twitter that have private accounts that are extremely right-wing. Like probably, like more i don't say more right-wing than i am because i think i'm the most right-wing as like an ancap but like maybe like right-wing authoritarian like women mm-hmm. in like cosplay community and i follow them their private accounts but i could never say who they are because and they won't say it publicly because they just know they would just get called racist and all kinds of stuff and just get absolutely obliterated but it's frustrating because i'm like i, I have talked to enough people that there's an underground 
if not right wing, just normal people who just don't want to talk about politics. They just want to enjoy their anime fandoms. They're tired of this BS and everything being about pride and, and race and everything like that. When clearly the Japan, the Japanese don't give a single flying F about identity politics or any of that. They're not changing anything. Right. <laughs> no matter how much Western audiences kick and scream. And that's, that's something that I appreciate about it. I don't have to worry about some anime that I watch getting retroactively, at least in the subtitled, in the in the in the dubs. A lot of times, if it's on an English platform, they will switch things up. So you got to be careful. So I watch the subtitled stuff a lot because um, they keep it pretty much true to the actual story. But um, that's why I enjoy that stuff so much because you don't really have to worry about them trying to be politically correct because they just don't care about the West. They're just doing them. And they know the wet, the people in the West that like it are going to consume it regardless because of that. So that's been kind of refreshing, but it's been kind of frustrating because there's a, a huge underground definitely of people who are just normal people. I do think they're speaking out a lot more though, especially over the past three years, because I think there was a big frustration. As many people as they were who still are posting, just got my booster. You should go get yours on their Instagram story so they can get thumbs the uppies. Um, there's a lot of people that were very frustrated with restrictions that were being put down on pretty much every single convention. Um, there's a convention near me. I never had a mandate. They were mandating jabs and masks. And I thought, why? You, you don't have to do that. The city is not making you do it. You can't hide behind the government making you do it. This is ridiculous. Their attendance was abysmal. Like completely. As it should be. <laughs> it, it was like. Uh, the convention was getting maybe like six, five, almost 6,000 people. People were posting hallway photos just from like the convention center. And there was maybe 2,000, maybe that's being very generous, 2,000 people there. Like mm-hmm. it was over halved because people just didn't want to deal with that. It could have also been some people were still too scared to go outside. Right. I think that's probably a lot to a lesser, uh, to a lesser degree. Yeah, but I really do. And I would look at the comments and it would be about 50-50. People being like, this is BS or, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Um, Which the irony is the people that are saying, oh oh my gosh, thank you so much. The conventions that were running were before the jabs had come out. So they didn't even feel safe enough to go to your convention and support your vendors. So you're pandering to people who aren't going to come out and support you anyway. Um, And so I don't know. I think conventions have been dying for at least in the anime scene for a pretty long time. So I do kind of hope that maybe there will be um, people coming up to compete against them. I'd be like, no, actually we don't care. Just come. We just want this to be normal again. Um, But it's been nice because I have met quite a few people, even if it's in private, it's still nice to meet people that aren't crazy. (laughs) Right. That are in your hobby. There's a girl locally that I talk to quite a bit who, um, there was this big controversy every once in a while in the cosplay community. Some white cosplayer would inevitably cosplay a dark-skinned character. I'm not going to uh, say black because they're never actually black. They don't have black people in Japan. Trust me, I've been there. Um, it's like 99.998% Japanese. It's kind of how it works. Um, they're tan, but a white person will like tan their skin and everyone will freak out and be like, oh my God, you can't tan your skin for that brown skin character. That's racist. That's like, they're not even black, they're tan. I just tanned to be tan for the cosplay. Um, or sometimes you'll just see like, I, I've cosplayed um, Nessa from a Pokemon game. She's She is black, 
or at least Islander of some kind, I think. And people get mad and they're like, oh my God, why are you cosplaying that, that black character? And it's like, cause I like them, but it, like I said, again, it only goes one way. All right. People cosplay anime characters that are white and they don't even like do it accurately. They'll have like a green Afro instead of like straight bangs and straight hair. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, yes, queen. So great. It only goes one way. And half the time I can't even tell who the character is. That is how like inspired that is and not really accurate to the character. Um, but there's been a lot of pushback against that, especially with like the the stuff over the past couple of years, I think. So I do have a lot of hope for it. But that's why I eventually just I used to separate. I do have a cosplay page and a Facebook page, and those are yeah. separate. But like on my Instagram and my Twitter, I just I do both. Because I'm, if you don't like one or the other, that's fine. There's plenty of people who follow me and they're like, your cosplay's weird, man. I don't get it, but I like your politics. So I just deal with it. Right. <laughs> so, which is fine. I mean, not everybody that, you know, follows Eric July likes comics or that follows Dave Smith likes comedy and stuff like that. So, yep. um, but it's just what you have to do. And I think we need more people in specific hobbies you don't have to be in your face like i'm not making posts like my ex favorite anime character says taxation is theft because like i think that's kind of cringy but um i can be a person with those views and also have this hobby and say yeah i have these views and i have this hobby and try to be an example for other people so that's that's really all i'm trying to do um and i think i've seen a lot of other people start to do it too which of course is always good because like i said with the gatekeeping stuff um uh, I'm not I'm not seeding the term libertarian mm-hmm. and I'm not going to stop cosplaying because there's a bunch of crazy leftists which I have been attacked for um before I got kicked off Twitter on my other account um I had tweeted it was in the heat of the Black Lives Matter stuff again the Minnesota stuff oh, gosh I don't even know what year that was now was that two years ago now or one year I don't know two years two years yeah and so that makes sense because the the craziness with the whatever we're going through right now was going on too. <laughs> and all I did was say, hey, why were all of you just curious? Why were you all of you fine with people protesting with no mask on, marching down the streets, hundreds and hundreds of people, but you're not okay with us going to conventions without masks on? Well, oh my God. I oh no. <laughs> I just clearly I'm anti-Black Eyes Matter, which I am. But I didn't even say that in the thread. I just said, hey, this doesn't really make sense to me. Of course it was well, it's for justice. I'm like, fine, I'll wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt to the convention. There you go. It can't get me. I can't get sick now. That's what you just told me. Protect yourself from the goof. I'm wearing a justice t-shirt, okay? So I'm <laughs> fine. Like, people got so mad and, and came after me, but I didn't go anywhere. I was like, no, I'm going to continue to ask these stupid questions because you're mm-hmm. you guys are not making sense. You're not making any sense at all. Right. So just, just like the, uh, the people with Hammer and Sickles in their bio that are pro-Ukraine right now, I'm like... <laughs> I, I always uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind of thought it was ironic and I, I don't want to drag you into this conversation because I, <laughs> I, I saw you muted it but it's funny oh, Donald, okay. yeah Donald Trump was a Russian asset for the last five years but he literally sold weapons to Ukraine which they're using against Russia yeah. I, I actually can we square that I also heard the entire reason that Putin is invading the Ukraine is because Trump told him to as a thank you for rigging the 2016 election for Trump. That, <laughs> well, that is was an like... actual unironic, like blue check mark take that I saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, these people jump through impressive. I'm like, he's gone. He can't hurt you anymore. It's okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, so kind of touch on anime real quick and then we'll wrap. Um, sure. it, it, it's funny. The Asian countries have a higher IQ, they're homogenous, and they're mostly healthy. And COVID seemed to kind of breeze right past them. It wasn't too bad. And they make a higher income. They live pretty well overall, even when they come over here to America. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not saying I'm like, this is what Stefan Molyneux got canceled over. Or I shouldn't say canceled over, but everyone got mad at him for saying this about Poland, right? A homogenous, high IQ, tight-knit family um, country does very, very well in almost every regard. Not saying we should enforce that. And I'm not saying that people who don't live exactly that way are bad people. But maybe we should take a note of that and think about that going forward. <laughs> you know, maybe some of that stuff makes a difference. Man, you could, I will say, though, you, you couldn't pay me to live in Japan. I love Japan. Yeah. It was great to visit. We went there for like in 2019. Luckily, we got married in 2019. So we went on our honeymoon to Japan for almost two weeks like that October. So we like just missed all the craziness because yeah. Japan is like, we're shutting the country down. They're using it as an excuse, to, like completely close themselves off again. Like mm. we're done with society again. You guys are crazy. Um, but it, it was really nice to visit. Very clean. Um, everyone was very pleasant. And I don't speak Japanese. Like I'm not one of those people who's like, I like anime. I speak Japanese and I want to be Japanese. Nope, not me. I just think it's cool. Mm. And I like, actually, I like the fashion a lot. I have a bunch of like clothes from there like normal clothes, not like costumes yeah. <laughs> that I, that I wear on a daily basis. But, um, I, uh, it's, it's very different. You go there and it is a, it's a vastly different culture than here for sure. Mm-hmm. Everything. One thing I will say is too quiet. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's just cause I'm American. Mm-hmm. It's too quiet. Like Tokyo, we went to Tokyo. It's a huge city, millions and millions and millions of people. And it's quiet. And that's crazy. Are you serious? it's creepy. Like, I couldn't fucking believe that. it was a huge adjustment. Actually, I'm, I watched a bunch of videos before I went and I said, you know, we need to like talk quietly when we're talking because my husband's got like hearing problems and I talk really softly. So yeah. a lot of the times we'll talk really loud because otherwise he can't hear me. And he, uh, I was like, we do not want to be those loud Americans that like are being super rude and all the quiet, you know, you get on the train and there's like a bunch of people and no one's saying a word and you're just like, everybody's staring at you. Okay. Yeah, because, well, that's the other thing. I knew they were homogenous, but you don't know what homogenous means until you're in a homogenous country and you're like, right. whoa, okay. And then everyone looks at you when you go places and you're like, oh man, I'm like a unicorn right now. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> but um, it was really nice, but I don't think I could live there. I definitely, I prefer the American culture, even if we have a lot of issues for sure. Just right. so nobody watches this back. It's like, oh, she's a filthy weeb. She just wants to be Japanese. No, <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't move there, but it is really nice to visit. I would recommend people visit it. It's a really, to me, it was a, that was my first, I went to Poland when I was in eighth grade. So a long time ago. Um, and Poland was beautiful, but as an adult, it was really nice to travel to Japan. Cause I feel like, even though it might not seem like it's a really easy country to navigate, even if you don't speak the language, cause everyone's so polite and nice and everything. So it's a really good, like international travel experience for like people who don't do that a lot. I feel like some European countries, they'll just like, look at you nasty. If you're like trying to talk to them, 
<laughs> and you're not at least trying to speak the language and stuff, but the Japanese won't do that because they don't like confrontation. So <laughs> it was really nice. Yeah, that's uh long time. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're healthy. Good. Well, I figured out how unhealthy I was. That's why I needed to lose weight because mm-hmm. they do a lot. They walk everywhere. That's why right. they're so skinny. They walk everywhere. I mean, they have trains, but besides yeah. that, they walk everywhere. And thank God I had tennis shoes with me. Like the first day or two we were there, we had to take like a two-day break because we were so sore just from walking mm. so much. We just, we have cars. We drive everywhere here. Yeah. We don't, it's not, it's not places where we have like trains. It's just completely different way of living. So that was mm. one of the things that spurred me to, spur both of us to get healthy is going over there. One, seeing how everybody I mean, gosh, I don't think I saw a single overweight person over there. Like at all. Yeah, go, go to go to your local Walmart here. Right. It's where it's like you just go to Walmart. Like you're like one of you're like in the top 10% of human beings if you're like under like 200 pounds. <laughs> like, yeah, my God. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But craziness. Um, you know what's kind of funny is that actually uh, Asians do have a lower personal fat threshold. So so, sorry, oh, I'm, I'm going to take us on a huge side Science. tangent. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, um, at a certain point, they can't get as obese as let's say I could because I could get pretty pretty damn fat. <laughs> but, um, well, is this like the is this like the fat cells thing? Like they have yeah. So basically, their their fat cells will hypertrophy at a lot lower of a threshold than like perhaps mine would. So their fat sense. right. So once they get to a certain point of being overweight, and their fat eventually starts to surround their liver. And, you know, they, they get the, uh, not adipose tissue, um, I can't remember, the visceral fat, the fat in your viscera, yeah. which surrounds your organs. They get to that point a lot sooner than perhaps I would. Oh, so wow. like, so th- if they were like 250 pounds, they're just going to die. Yeah. Yeah. It would be way worse. Oh, Whereas I could get to like 400 pounds. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe I have Asian in me. I don't know. I, gain like, <laughs> I gained like, maybe I'm not as white as I think I am. I gained like 30 pounds and I was in the hospital because like my body just couldn't take it like it was just my husband's mm-hmm. like my husband went on the whole fast he was like fasting for three days at one point mm-hmm. so he was like really serious about it um but he explained like all the fat cell thing like well you just have let fat, less fat cells than i do that's why mm-hmm. you've been quote-unquote skinny even though you're clearly not in shape whereas me i'm literally built he's got like polish ancestry he's like we're built to put on muscle and fat yeah. like he puts on fat just as easy as muscle because it's just like that's just how his body works but Whereas me, I'm just like a limp noodle over here. Mm. So if I gain like too much fat, I just like, I can't sit up. Currently. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Mac, this has been awesome. We touched on a lot of different stuff and uh, yeah. I-, I felt quite a few uh, light bulbs kind of flicking on throughout the conversation. And uh, I-, I think that's kind of what I was excited for to uh, cool. kind of hear your explanation for some, <laughs> some of the different right wing stuff. Cause Sometimes it, it almost seems a little bit maspiratory when people use these terms because it, it goes back to the red pill, blue pill stuff is that once mm-hmm. again, it's something that I can pat myself on the back for. Look at me. I'm so fucking red pilled. Um, <laughs> so where can everybody find you? What do you got going on? That's cool. Come up in the future and uh, any plugs and we'll get rock and roll. Yeah. Um, honestly, the best place to just find everything, all my social media, I have a merch store and stuff like that on a Twitch and everything is kenziepuff.com. So um, kenziepuff, one word, K-E-N-Z-I-E-P-U-F-F.com. And all my social media is linked on there. Everything's pretty much linked on there. And there's even like bio section and stuff if if you missed anything in the episode and things like that. So it's the easiest place to find me. Oh yeah, I think we covered, uh, I don't know if there was anything really left off the table. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but um, 
you're welcome back here anytime. I'd love to have you back on again sometime to discuss anything that's going on in the future. Um, very enjoyable podcast. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. And I think a lot of libertarians should take a lot of this stuff to heart. <laughs> they could definitely use it. So um, yeah, um, once again, I'm glad you were able to come on and I'm looking forward to talking in the future. So um, if nothing else, we'll get rock and rolling. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Of course. All right, everybody. This is in Liberty and Health. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.